Welcome to Kidney Essentials, a podcast for medical students, residents, and advanced practitioners at the University of Colorado and beyond. So I'm Judy Blaine. I'm a nephrologist at the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus. My areas of interest are glomerular diseases and podocyte cell biology. I have no conflicts of interest and my Twitter handle is at JudyBlaine2. Hello everybody, I'm Sophia Ambrusso. Uh, I am a clinical nephrologist at the Denver VA and I'm on faculty at the University of Colorado School of Medicine. My areas of interest are medical education and I'd like to dabble in AKI research. I have no conflicts of interest and my handle is at Sophia Kidney. Hello everyone, my name is Sarah Young. I am a nephrologist at the University of Colorado at our Anschutz campus. My areas of interest include lupus nephritis and critical care nephrology. I have no conflict of interest, and my Twitter handle is at kidneycritic. A few housekeeping notes before we get to our case. Please make sure you check out our mini podcast bonus episode where we go over a mistake that we made in our first podcast. Maybe some of you actually figured out what the mistake was that we made. We know at least one very distinguished listener did, Dr. Tom Burrell, and we will be reviewing what we did wrong and how you could have picked it up. Okay, so for our mission statement, uh, we are here to make nephrology more accessible and less intimidating. We'll provide concise nephrology pearls in each episode to help listeners understand renal pathophysiology. We're going to be making nephrology sexy one episode at a time. And now for the boring legal stuff. This podcast is for educational purposes only. The views and statements expressed on this podcast are solely those of the hosts. This podcast should not be used as medical device or for treatment purposes. Okay, now we're on to the part of the podcast where you get to know your hosts a little bit better. And so we're going to start off with a fun non-medical question. Well, it's not really non-medical, it's sort of medical. But So the question this episode for our hosts is, what is one of the silliest or dumbest things you did as a medical student or resident? So I get to start with this one. I can't remember if I was a med student or an intern. Um, I guess that doesn't matter. But I was in, uh, it was preoperative, and I was tasked with putting the Foley in, and it was my first Foley. And I literally spent five minutes trying to put the Foley in a woman's clitoris. <laughs> okay, I've heard that story three times now, and it's still funny. Every time. That's hilarious. <sighs> so, um, my silly thing that I did as a resident was I was a pretty new resident, and I'd been on call and I'd been up for a long time, and I was trying to treat a patient for pain. And I tried to order four grams of morphine instead of four milligrams IV. And I promptly got called by the pharmacist asking if I was trying to kill the patient. I'm going to start calling you Dr. Doom, Judy. (laughs) So my story is just me making kind of an ass of myself. But where I I trained... um, the cardiology resident was the person who ran all the codes. So I was a second year resident and I was running my first, I was my first night as a cardiology resident. And 
Um, they yelled over, you know, over the speakers back then, Dr. Cart, Dr. Cart, and I go running into the room and I, I yell, I'm Dr. Cart, and I yell, do we have an airway? And they're like, 10 surgeons in the room and an anesthesiologist and the anesthesiologist attending turns to me and says, yes, we've had an airway for about a week, but we don't have a pulse. (laughs) (laughs) I was bright red. Okay, so now we'll move on to our um, case for this episode. Okay, so this week, your buddy Tyson, who's a geriatrician, asks you to see his patient who he just admitted to the hospital. She's a lovely 90-year-old woman who still lives independently, but Tyson was concerned because he noticed she was not quite as sharp as she had been, and so he checked some routine labs. Her routine labs revealed a serum sodium of 125 and a creatinine of 0.4 milligrams per deciliter. He, being the awesome friend of yours that he is, sent off a urine awesome, which showed a urine awesome of 100 milliosms per kilogram and a urine sodium of 25 milliequivalents per liter. He mentions that he has been trying to get her into an assisted living facility because she has been declining at home and has lost a lot of weight. Her current weight is 45 kilograms. Her family reports they drop off food for her, but they notice she does not eat it. She says she drinks iced tea, which she loves, and cereal most days. Judy or Sophie, how would you approach this case? So this patient's serum sodium is low at 125 milliequivalents per liter, and she has a urine osm, which is also low, of 100 milliosms per kilo. So in a hyponatremic patient uh, who clearly doesn't have SIADH, which we know because of her low urinosm, we need to consider other factors that impact how much water a person can drink in order to cause hyponatremia. So the two things that I care most about is, number one, what is her kidney function? And number two, what is her solute intake? Okay, so just to confirm what you're saying, you're saying because her urinosm is 100, there's no ADH on board. That is correct. Okay. And what you're interested now in is what is her kidney function and her solute intake? Mm-hmm. Judy, do you think her kidney functions impairing her ability to excrete sufficient water? No, I don't because her kidney function is normal. We know this from her creatinine of 0.4 milligrams per deciliter. And as you might recall from our previous podcast, we know that your water excretion should be close to about 20% of your GFR. So if her GFR is say roughly 100 mils per minute, then 20% of that would be about 20 liters, which is a lot of water. So she should be able to drink a lot of water given her normal kidney function. So Sophie, in addition to her kidney function, you mentioned the other thing that you care about is her solute intake. What is solute intake and why is it important in this case? Solute intake is simply a reflection of our dietary intake. Um, Most notably, or what we care most about, is our sodium, potassium, and protein, at least from an intake perspective. Um, Protein, of course, is then metabolized, and then we excrete it mainly as urea in our urine. So, Sophie, how much solute do most people take in and have to excrete? In general, we will assume that most healthy individuals can consume approximately 10 milliosms per kilo per day. So in a steady state, um, mainly you know, with not significant changes from day to day, the motto is that what goes in must come out. Uh, therefore, 
we expect to excrete in our urine our daily solute intake, um, which is approximately 10 milliosms per kilo per day. So Judy, how much, how does solute intake affect how much water a person can drink? So basically you cannot excrete just water. You have to have solute along with the water to excrete. And as Sophie mentioned, what goes in must come out. And so if you need solute to be able to excrete water, this simply means that the more solute you take in or the more solute you produce, the more urine you will produce and the more you can drink. So what I hear you're saying is that a person can drink more water if they consume more solute, whether that's salt, protein. Is there any way we can estimate the amount of solute a patient has to excrete? Yes. So we know that, that in general, um, on an average diet, a person consumes or produces about 10 milliosms per kilo per day of solute. So for a 70 kilogram man, this would be 70 kilograms times 10 milliosms per kilo per day, which is about 700 milliosms a day. And if he's producing this amount of milliosms, this is also the amount of solute that he will need to pee out as well, 700 milliosms a day. So when he pees out those 700 milliosms, how much urine volume will that be? It, it really depends on his urinosm. Um, we actually use an equation to help us figure this out. We take our osmolar intake and we divide it by our measured urinosm. And that should actually give us an estimated volume of water that we need, that is needed to accompany the solute in our urine. So for example, if we divide his intake, this gentleman's intake of 700 milliosms per day by his measured urinosm of 100 milliosms per kilo, we know that he can consume upwards of seven liters per day before becoming hyponatremic. Judy, what if instead of having a urinosm of 100, the 70 kilogram male had a urinosm of 700? So in that case, um, using the same equation, um, if we take his osm intake divided by his measured urine osm to give a total volume of water that he can excrete in a day, it will be um, 700 milliosms per kilo per day that he's producing or excreting divided by his urinary osm of 700 milliosms per kilo, and that would give you one liter of urine, so a lot, lot less. Okay, well, so our patient that our friend Tyson admitted to the hospital doesn't weigh 70 kilograms. So Sophie, how many osms do you think this woman makes in a day or has to excrete? All right, here we go again. But So let's start assuming that this 45 kilogram woman, in our example, is consuming an average dietary intake of 10 milliosms per kilo per day. I want to just highlight really quick that 45 kilograms is a tiny, tiny person, the equivalent of about 99 pounds. So her solute intake is 450 milliosms a day. So if we're going to calculate the urine volume, I would use the same calculation as we've just discussed, and I take her solute intake of 450 milliosms, and I divide it by her urine osm of 100 milliosms per kilogram, 
And then we find out that she's going to excrete 450 milliosms in 4.5 liters of urine. So just to sort of summarize, if she drinks more than 4.5 liters of urine, 4.5 liters of urine, 4.5 liters of urine, her serum sodium will decrease. Wow, that's, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what did you say? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> so just to reiterate, if she drinks more than 4.5 liters of water, her serum sodium will decrease. Okay, wow. So that's really shocking. She can only drink four and a half liters of urine before she's going to become <laughs> <laughs> Okay, wow, so that's kind of surprising. So she could only drink four and a half liters of water before she becomes hyponatremic. That's really low. Judy, what else could be limiting how much water she can drink? Um, so one thing, or well, a couple things that could really also affect how much she can drink or her small size, which she's mentioned, because with uh, her small size not weighing a lot, she um, will automatically um, consume or produce less solute. Um, however, she's malnourished and she's taking in significantly less protein than a normal diet, then she will uh, be able to excrete even less water. So, for instance, if instead of the normal 10 milliosms per kilo of solute a day, she only consumes eight milliosms per kilo of solute a day, um, she would, in this case, only make eight milliosms per kilo of solute times her weight of 45 kilos to give 360 milliosms uh, of solute a day. And then if you divide that by her urinosm of, say, 100, she would become hyponatremic if she drinks anything more than 3.6 liters. Okay, wow. So our petite patient who's not eating a lot could get hyponatremic with drinking only a little bit above 3.6 liters a day. Yep. Does anyone want to comment on her urine sodium? You know, her urine sodium is not that impressive. Impressive. It's 25, so it's not incredibly low, meaning like less than 10 milliosms. So she's likely not volume depleted. It's also not very high, which is suggestive that she probably has some degree of limited nutritional intake. Okay, so just to summarize again, this patient, we believe, is becoming hyponatremic because she's drinking more than four liters of iced tea a day, and that's leading to her serum sodium of 125. And if she weighed more or ate more, she could drink more water. Yeah, that's correct. So how would you recommend that we treat this patient? So for one thing, um, if she doesn't change her diet at all, then she would definitely have to restrict her fluid intake to less than three liters a day. Yeah, and then I would add that she needs to increase her solute intake uh, with a specific emphasis on protein intake. Okay, so this patient has something that we sometimes refer to as beer potomania when it's in the case of an alcoholic drinking beer but not eating a lot. And in the elderly, we sometimes refer to it as tea and toast hyponatremia because they're drinking a lot of water and very little protein. 
So the last episode, we discussed a case of hyponatremia with a dilute urine, which was explained by massive water intake. This episode, we discussed another case of hyponatremia with dilute urine, but in this case, the hyponatremia developed with much smaller amounts of water consumption because the patient was very small and had poor protein intake. Let's review our learning objectives for this episode. So one normal healthy patients consume approximately 10 milliosms per kilo per day. And this necessitates that they excrete 10 milliosms per kilo per day in their urine. Uh, two, urine volume is dependent upon urine solute excretion and urine osmolality. Uh, the other learning objectives are that simply being smaller decreases your maximum water consumption. So people who don't weigh a lot can't drink as much. And then elderly or infirm patients may not be eating a high protein diet and may be malnourished. And so they will produce fewer milliosms per kilo and thus they can excrete fewer milliosms per kilo. Well, that ends episode two of Kidney Essentials. Thank you for tuning in. Stay safe and remember, all physicians make mistakes, so be kind with yourself, have some self-compassion and learn to laugh about it. Although sometimes that takes a little time. Bye. Thanks for coming. Bye. Thanks for listening. Thanks again for listening to Kidney Essentials podcast. Credits to Seamus Klingsborn for sound editing, Josh Strong for graphics, and of course, the University of Colorado Division of Renal Diseases and Hypertension for employing us.